Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. And believe it or not, despite the fact that the Colorado Rockies only won a single game last week, they are in the midst of their worst stretch of the season. They are neither hitting nor pitching well as a team. I am, in fact, very excited to be talking about the team with you right now because Sunday really did salvage the entire situation. I know there may be some people out there going, no, it didn't. (laughs) That was awful. That was absolutely brutal, right? Rockies losing in all kinds of ways. The struggles with the bullpen continue. After being 26-0 leading after the seventh inning, They've now blown, I don't have the number right in front of me, like, I'm going to say they've blown 12 games in the last eight that they've played. It's just been, right, the bullpen has been brutal, Uh, the starting pitching for the most part has been bad, and the offense overall has not been good. But let's go back to the very beginning, and this is technically your ups and downs, by the way, but you're not getting three ups and three downs, you're getting... You're, you're one big up here that I'm going to talk about for most of the show and make this about. And, and then we'll get into some of the obvious downs that basically continue to be the same things they've been all season. But like I just said, pitching, bad. Overall offense, bad. Certain things going on. Bullpen, rough stretch, which is a bad time to have it because they've been so good. But let's talk about the thing that's most important. Like we said before, spring training started all throughout the spring. And part of the reason why not just... I obviously lots of people who cover this team have been more focused on this youth movement, right? And there's obviously been a, a ton of debate and conversation and general frustration with the Rockies not going full on with the youth movement at the beginning of the season. And as I hope I've made clear, I'm in agreement with that critique. However, you've also got to be fair-minded and and recognize when they are making those moves, even if they've been forced into it to some degree by some of the injuries with C.J. Crone and Charlie Blackman very unfortunately having to go on the I.L. Looks like it might be for a little bit here with, with a hand fracture, but that is the silver lining, right? Is that it's forcing the Rockies to, and I, I do think they were getting here anyway. They, you know, I'm not going to do the whole speech again. They carried Montero and Tovar. You get it. Yesterday, let, so so let's skip through uh, all of the frustrations of them not doing it. And let's go to June 11th, Sunday afternoon. Colorado Rockies roll out a lineup with five rookies in it. Well, four plus a Lauris Montero. Montero is technically uh, just barely exceeded rookie eligibility because he got a decent amount of playing time last year. But five players with inexperience, whatever you want to call it, right? These are the young guys who represent the future. You had Montero in there. You've had Tovar at shortstop all season. And by the way, he has been really phenomenal since April ended. It's gone from, hey, he's hitting better, and boy, that defense is great, to actually he's just been one of the best rookies in baseball since the end of April. He had a bad April, and he may not be able to make up for lost ground in the rookie of the year race, especially with what Corbin Carroll is doing down there in Arizona. Absolute nonsense stuff. Just incredible. But whatever disappointments there may have been with the 21-year-old who got off to a slow start, you know, it's great on a little bit of a curve here. He's been fantastic, right? I, I other Maybe more power. No, he just, he's hit a couple of home runs recently. He took Blake, uh, Blake Snell deep in inning one, right? Uh, getting this whole thing started. So actually, it's funny. I'm focusing on 
Obviously, I'm going to get to what the young guys did at the end of the game, but there at the beginning against a, a veteran pitcher with a Cy Young award in the closet. Now I know, or maybe probably on the mantelpiece, <laughs> the closet. but I know Blake Snell hasn't been as good of late. And actually, if you go back and listen to my conversations about Blake Snell over the years, he's one of the reasons why I never believed this Padres team was quite the dynasty they were being made out to be. Uh, he really only had one great season in Tampa. And then in the shortened year, he was pretty darn good, especially in the playoffs. But outside of that, he's basically been a league average pitcher. But when he's on, he's very streaky. When he's on, he can be very good. And he was on on Sunday, uh, except when Tovar got him early. And that was obviously vital in a game where you end up having to come up with the walk-off. So basically all around, your 21-year-old rookie shortstop has just been fantastic. So that's something worth getting excited about, right? So you had him in there. You had Montero in the lineup. Obviously, Brenton Doyle now has essentially cemented himself as the everyday starting center fielder. Again, obviously, that may be revisited a little bit when Chris Bryant comes back. Uh, but I don't, I don't think so. I think more often than not, in fact, Bud Black basically said this a few days ago when being asked about how much the young guys were going to play. He said... Brenton Doyle's basically become an everyday player, right? So you got those guys in there. You got Nolan Jones, who's really taken the reins since coming in. And I'm going to get more into Nolan Jones here in just a second, because we're obviously going to focus on him and Coco Montez, right? Let's run through the sequence of events, and then we'll get into the big picture stuff. But how neat was this? Neat. Yeah, I said it. It was neat. (laughs) Rockies down 3-1 late. Got a decent outing out of Denelson Lamette, by the way, who's mostly been awful this season, both out of the bullpen and repurposed as a starter. He just hadn't looked good. And he didn't look great in this game. He was getting hit hard, uh, gave up the, the, the early runs. But as we've often said, five innings and three earned runs in, in the modern age for a lot that's almost the modern quality starts in general especially at Coors Field and especially right now for this team who's down to their like ninth and tenth guys in the rotation and Lamette who they thought was going to be in their bullpen all year because their their starting rotation has just experienced so many injuries right so when you get five innings and three earned runs out of Lamette Seabold right now Austin Gomber you're praying for five innings and three earned runs right if you're trying to build confidence, whatever it is, those are those are the kinds of games that you do want to win. As much as I've said and stand by that, I don't really think that the Rockies can sneak their way into a successful winning season this year. And so I'm less concerned about what the overall record is. You still want that feeling of success like you got on Sunday. And, and in many ways, especially if you're, you know, want the high draft pick and you're really playing that sort of money ball end of it, right? The Rockies losing a bunch of games, but graduating these young players and then getting this moment where, again, they're down 3-1. They got the home run from the rookie early. They've missed a couple of opportunities throughout the game. They've got Coco Montez making his major league debut, and he's already got that first hit out of the way. Also a scary moment early on where he crashed into Brenton Doyle and he needed to bail out there, but... Let's not make too much out of that. Because the young man in the eighth inning hits a game-tying two-run home run 
pulls one out to left, and part of the profile, you know, it, 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 it's like <laughs> baseball never works out this way, where you call a guy up, and part of the reason to be more excited about Montez potentially than Alan Trejo or Harold Castro, who both bring a higher floor, more experience, and, uh, you, you know, you know that they can hang defensively at the major league level at several different positions where Montez has still got a lot to prove and show there, but the power profile with Coco Montez, who had, I think, 12, yeah, 12 home runs in the minor leagues, is intriguing, especially at second base, right? And so for in his first game, and he didn't clobber that one. It was a little bit of a wall scraper. In fact, off the bat, I thought it was going to be caught on the warning track. But when it's like they all count. And it just goes to show that even when he doesn't fully clip it, right? Even when he didn't barrel it up perfectly, he can still hit it out. And that's going to continue to be intriguing. Then... Obviously, you just got this nightmare of a ninth inning that, quite frankly, never should have started. They shouldn't have played the top half. It was pouring rain. And the Rockies end up giving a an unearned run up on a pair of errors. Gritchick couldn't handle the ball in, in a puddle of water in right field. And then, of course, Justin Lawrence, the guy with the most wicked stuff and probably the wildest guy in the bullpen, ends up throwing a wild one in the rain. Tough to ask the catcher to get out in front of that one, uh, though he wasn't in a great position. Uh, I, I was frustrated by that in a, in a number of ways, but you had yeah, two errors lead to just the messiest of go-ahead ninth inning runs. And then it's boring even harder to the extent that from the press box, I could barely see the field. And Ryan McMahon hit an absolute monster shot through the raid, disappearing into the night. It's one of the coolest home runs I've seen in, in quite some time, only to be topped a few moments later. Well, really like 45 minutes later, but only two batters, right? Because after this long delay, get back out there. And I thought, honestly, that Gritchick actually hit his out. I thought it was going to be you know, 45 minutes to an hour-long delay, and then Randall Gritchick on the very first pitch ends the ball game. But nope, we had to wait a couple batters later for Nolan Jones to do it. And, I mean, what do you say about a moment like that? That is one of those things that could help turn Nolan Jones into a little bit of a star player for this team. There's a long way to go. And consistency, as I've often said, is the most underrated skill and tool in baseball. I, I don't think Jerks and Profar got enough credit for that on-base streak. While I know he wasn't clobbering the ball, hitting a ton of home runs, this, that, or the other. Ask any of these young players, man, consistency is tough to come by. But right now, Nolan Jones has been consistent. And he's been Incredible. I've said a couple of times, I think, that the thing that's actually impressed me the most, believe it or not, is his defensive profile, because I thought he was going to grade out as roughly average or maybe even a little bit below average, but with a big arm. He's got, he also almost threw a guy out at, at home plate 
early in this game. If he'd gotten a little better running start underneath it, to my mind, he caught it a little too flat-footed. He's got such a strong arm, he still almost made the play. And I actually think if Austin wins and held on to the baseball, Tatis had been out because his front leg was over the plate. But still, he's got a cannon of an arm when he learns a little bit better things like that, how to how to run into that a little bit better, catch it on the other side of his body. There, there were a couple of things he could have done a little bit better, and he probably throws the runner out by a half a step, actually, because he's got such a good arm. But he's a better athlete out there than I realized. He's got better hands at first base. Haven't seen him play third yet, so don't know about that. But he's going to be a plus defender in left, right, and at first. And he just hit the longest walk-off home run recorded in the StatCast era because he has got... Power with five capital R's at the end of it. This young man can absolutely smoke a baseball. And you know, we've seen this before. Sam Hilliard with just ridiculous, prodigious power. Ryan McMahon, I'm right here on the same team right now. We know when Ryan McMahon, we just talked about it. He did it in the rain. To, he did it to tie the ball game, right? Monster shot through a torrential downpour. I mean, that was extremely impressive, right? We know that McMahon is near the top of the league every year in exit velocity. He just hasn't made enough contact for his batter profile to be above the league average yet. Nolan Jones, obviously, were at a small sample size. 15 games, 54 plate appearances. The guy's hitting 360 on basing 407, slugging 680. He's got the four home runs, 12 ribbies, and two of them are two of the longest home runs that have been hit in the major leagues this year. Not that you get extra runs for for distance or whatever, right? But it, it it's a good indication when you have that kind of power of an ability. In fact, I'll, I'll point out something that happened earlier in the game. His single might be a, a better indication of his potential to find better consistency at the major league level than he was able to find before this and, and even at times in the minor leagues because he would had been striking out so much that maybe this year is something different. Remember the single that he got? Yeah, there's a fastball in on his hands from a left-handed pitcher. He turned on it. He had a hard line drive that with top spin. So it hit just behind first base. First baseman went back there and was able to knock it down. But then back to my athleticism thing, here comes Nolan Jones, all six foot five, six foot six of them. No way the pitcher was going to go on a dead sprint and arrive at the same time as the baseball, right? He, he was going to beat out the throw anyway. But he hit that ball really stinking hard so that even though the first baseman was able to back up and make a play on it behind the bag going into foul territory because of how hard it was hit he was really just able to knock it down if he fields it a bit more cleanly maybe he can beat jones to the bag and and maybe just the overall athleticism is going to play out and he's going to win anyway but that's the kind of thing where i go okay because they can't all be home runs you're not going to hit a 470 foot moonshot every single game god it just felt like he was going to though and and i'll say this that was one of my favorite reactions to a home run ever. Obviously, Nolan Arenado is going to be way up there for his walk-off cycle, you know, where he throws the helmet and cuts himself open. And that's that's iconic, and that's going to be tough to beat. But the way Jones hit it, took a couple of steps, watched to make sure it was going to get out, 
and then didn't watch it the rest of the way. He turned to look at the dugout. He threw the bat down, and it was all, let's go. I'm sure with plenty of F-bombs in there or whatever. You know, the guy's animated. I, I told y'all when I finally got to meet him, he just got a ton of personality. Uh, I thought he was more excited on Coco Montez's home run because he was on base for that than Coco Montez was. <laughs> you know, I think Montez was almost like trying not to get too hyped and not almost like, you know, pretend like you've been there before, even though he's literally never been there before. But Nolan Jones was hype, man. So now you've got this guy who coming into the season, I wasn't quite sure where he fit with Tolia on the roster, guys like Zach Veen coming up, obviously, you know, Chris Bryant being in, in the corner outfield, at least for now, though I do think he's probably a DH of the future. Where does Nolan Jones fit, right? Though, as an old adage in baseball tells you, you fit if you hit. You you will play. Like, if you continue to hit 360 with four home runs every 15 games, you're going to stay in the lineup. And if you're doing it while also being a plus on defense, a plus on the base pads, and a guy who has a kind of energy that everybody else in the dugout can feed off of and get excited about. As I said in a tweet yesterday, this was remarkable because the Rockies were playing almost completely lifeless baseball. It was tough to watch there for a while. But yesterday was the most exciting game of the season for all of the reasons that mean something for the future. Jones just might be one of those diamond in the rough guys you weren't necessarily counting on. And while we were all talking about those names I was just mentioning and Tovar's doing his thing and you hope Montero and Veen and Drew Romo's heating up in the minors. I, I owe you a minor league report here very soon. But if Nolan Jones is going to be a thing. Now, you can't run away with it. Again, remember the, the month of great baseball that Sam Hilliard had, his first taste of, of the big leagues, right? There, there's going to be a time where these pitchers are going to make their adjustments and try to exploit some of the things that have led to Nolan Jones having really high strikeout numbers throughout his minor league and very brief to this point major league career. He retains his rookie eligibility, in case you were wondering. But... I don't know, man. Sometimes it clicks for a guy. Sometimes it all starts to come together. And that just may be the case for Nolan Jones at this particular point in his career. So to have those two guys, Montez and Jones, providing the big shots with Ryan McMahon, who's been super hot lately and, and who I still think there's hope that he'll find his way into being that above league average hitter. And, of course, Tovar providing it at the beginning. Like, you couldn't write a much better script than that. You know, might have been nice if Doyle or Montero had gotten in on the action, but Doyle's obviously had some big moments already. I think Montero's really the the last now of, of that group. Whenever Tolia comes back up, he, you know, had a short stint there and wasn't doing a ton. But, but there it was, folks. Five rookies in the lineup, and they are the ones who won the ballgame. And it's not going to happen every night. It's not going to happen every day. It's not going to happen most days because of their lack of experience and because the pitching is so bad, they're going to lose a lot of games still, right? But these are the moments that you've got to latch onto in a season like this and say, okay, 
they may have something with these guys. And Montez, by the way, is another version of this. Now, obviously, we've only seen one game of him. But like with Nolan Jones, he's somebody that coming into the year I saw as a guy who might be a contributor and might never play in the bigs. Well, he's he's crossed that list. He was playing so well in the minors, they had to call him up. So he earned that shot, right? Now the next key for him is to avoid becoming that next, you know, Joshua Fuentes, Winton Bernard. You know, it's it's there are a lot of prospects throughout history who've put up great numbers in the minors, didn't have the pedigree, they earned their shot, didn't work out. If it goes the other way for Montez, if it goes the other way for both Montez and Jones, you've got two of them. All of a sudden, you've got your position player setup of the future looks pretty great. Obviously, the pitching is still a big, gigantic question mark. The starting pitching. There's there's a lot to love about the bullpen right now, though, of course, Daniel Bard's not getting any younger. You don't know what's happening there. But still, there, there's a ton to love about the bullpen and stuff you can do there. The rotation is just a big, gigantic question, and it'll continue to be so for a while, though, Again, when I get to the minor league report, Gabriel Hughes already in double A. That's worth paying attention to. But if Montez and Jones are going to add to this group of the new era of Colorado Rockies, and it very much looks like they've got a good opportunity. I think Jones can. Again, let's let's bump the brakes a bit on Montez. Quite the debut. You know. But there's real potential there. And if the guys who you aren't necessarily expecting to be those big contributors can be big contributors, that really hastens your window for being able to compete maybe even as soon as next year. Again, if you get the the pitching figured out, but if Veen and Romo and these guys are going to join this group, right, and hopefully Montero and Tolia are going to join this group and, and continue to get better, the other thing is you hope there's enough time that they show the Rockies enough of what they have that they do pull the trigger on some veteran trades, right? If Jones is going to lock himself in there at first base, but you know he's good in left and or, or right. So when Tolia comes up, you can make that decision. It's time to trade CJ Crone once he's healthy, right? If, they, if there, There's decisions to be made here. So it's so odd to be sitting here today after a week of such dreadful baseball out of the Rockies. But I really see just a ton of hope for the future, especially coming from places that I didn't necessarily see it coming from before, where you still have the potential for all these things that we were expecting (laughs) to start playing out. So yeah, that was about as exciting as a game can get from your young ball players who, who you're hoping will be the future of the organization. Like I said, there's still just a lot to be desired out of the starting rotation right now. And it's a real bummer that the bullpen is just kind of a bit in tatters. And I, as I said on the last episode, I think that really a lot of it has to do with being overworked. But... I'll tell you what, I'm doing some research right now for uh, the, the Rockies, for the, for the YouTube channel, by the way. Make sure that you're subscribed to Mile High Sports on YouTube. Uh, the history of the Rockies bullpens, essentially. I'm looking at best relievers all time. And the 1995 pen was really, really good. 
And I found this remarkable stat I'm not sure I'll be able to use anywhere, so I'm telling you all right now. But Curtis Laskanik pitched 98 innings out of the bullpen in 1995. I saw 98 innings, and I went, oh, man, he must have made a couple of starts. I went and looked at the number, and he did not. Don Baylor. <laughs> so I was like, like, man, we talk about guys being overworked in the modern era, and I get it's different, and arms aren't stretched out the same, so I'm not directly saying, hey, man, come on, Jake Bird, Brent Suter, go out there for 98 innings. You know, that's that's not what I'm saying, but I did that did kind of pop off the page at me and go, wow, that's... That's a lot of pitching out of the pen in a single season. So times have changed, but uh, right now for the Rockies, times are changing. New era appears to be upon us. And now all we can do is hope that the Rockies will play these guys as often as possible and then make the right decisions when that trade deadline comes around. Thanks for listening into this episode. I hope you all enjoyed it, and I hope you all will continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.